the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. This weekend, we're going to look at another ingredient. We're talking about the different ingredients to resiliency. And this weekend, there's one particular word that I want to draw to your attention. I'll put it on the board because you'll never be resilient without this word. What is it? Discipline. Discipline is vital to resiliency in life. This is going to be a two-part message, and so uh, we'll come to, when we come to the end uh, this weekend, I'll put a comma, and we'll continue next weekend so you're not, you will not get the full sense of the study of discipline without being here for both weekends. So I would encourage you to make plans to be back weekend next weekend as we do part two of this message today, part one. The first thing that I want to share with you about discipline, it may seem a little strange, but you'll see the connection in just a moment, and that is this. Morality matters. If you don't get this point, you'll never understand discipline because morality is a key part of discipline. Morality is an acknowledgement, an acceptance of the fact that certain things are right and wrong, certain things are good and bad, certain things are better and best. Let me stop again. What is morality? Morality is the acceptance of a fact, the acceptance of a reality that in the world in which we live, there is such a thing as right and wrong. There are certain things that are good and certain things that are bad, and there are certain things that are better and certain things that are best. And morality means that we're pursuing right over wrong. We're pursuing good over bad, and we're always pursuing better and best. A moral person is someone who has a sense of morality about their life. They're going after right, good, better, and best in life. They're pursuing that. Now, here's a fact. It doesn't take a lot of brains to figure this out. All you need to do is just pay attention to media today and pay attention to, to, the, to the, uh, con- the, con- the continual theme that we see in our culture today. Our world today is in an ever-increasing erosion of morality. There's an ever-increasing erosion of a distinction between what is right and wrong and what is good and bad and what is better and best. It is eroding all around us. Our world is evolving into a place where there are now very few external standards of right and wrong 
Even the definitions of what might be right and, right and wrong are changing in our world around us. The acceptance of what is okay and not okay has been turned on its head. I look at our world sometimes and I think, has everybody gone crazy? Okay. <laughs> that all of a sudden... We're looking at a world that I oftentimes don't even recognize because even the basic standards that we've had for many, many decades, many, many centuries, in fact, and in fact, millennia throughout history of acceptance of what is right and wrong, good, bad, better, and best, seem to be degrading in our culture today. Now, what I'm saying to you today has zero to do with any kind of politics. It has everything to do with the Bible, okay? And this is important for us to understand, okay? Because please remember something, as a Christian, what you want to be as a Christian believer is someone who's living their life based upon something that goes beyond yourself, that's the Word of God. You build your life not on what the Republicans say or the Democrats say, but what God says. Because the last time I checked, Jesus, Jesus is the Savior, amen, okay? Politics are never going to say. So this is not in any way, shape, or form meant to be a political statement. But what I am telling you today is we're living in a culture where there is an erosion of this very thing, an erosion of morality that is the definition of what is right and wrong, what is good, bad, what is better and best. And even as that erodes, there is a lack of the pursuing of that which is right over that which is wrong, that which is good, over that which is bad, that which is better, and that which is best. Let me stop for a moment. Does everybody still love me? Okay. I'm going to be, listen, just so you know, I'm going to be okay if you don't. Okay. Okay. But I just want to make sure we're all on the same page right now. Okay. There was a time in Israel's history when Israel faced this very same kind of time. It's described in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a time in Israel's history when everything was falling apart. And notice what the Bible says. Morality was falling apart. In those days, Israel had no, had no authority, no ruling authority, had no king. And what was the result of that? Everyone did as they saw fit. Does that sound like our culture today? There's nobody saying, hey, this is right and this is wrong. This is good. This is bad. This is better and best. And so everybody just does as they see fit. Why? Because to have morality, to pursue morality, you have to have It's necessary to have discipline to be able to pursue what is right over wrong and good over bad and what is better over best. And discipline has eroded. Therefore, because discipline has eroded, it's eroded because morality has eroded and we need to return. We need to return as Bible-believing Christians. We need to return to the fact that there are absolute objective standards of right and wrong, good and bad, better and best, and they've been given to us in this reliable book called the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can believe this book because it stood the test of time. This is the truth, okay? People's opinions are not the truth. The, the flow of culture is not the truth. This is what it, this is truth, okay? This is God's word to us, given to guide us in absolutes related to what is right, wrong, good, bad, better, and best in life. And so morality matters. Without this, 
Discipline is undefinable. You have no discipline in a culture if there's no morality in the culture. Let me say that again. You will have no discipline in the culture if there's no morality in the culture. Our culture is becoming increasingly undisciplined because we're increasingly become, becoming less moral. And so morality is linked to discipline, always. Okay. Now, the Bible also refers to this breakdown in a number of places. I I gave you one here in Judges. Let's look just at a a few other places in Scripture where it talks about this breakdown. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good. That's a step beyond because it's not just now that we're no longer accepting what is right and wrong. We're actually taking what is wrong and calling it right. Are you with me today? Okay. Woe to those, woe, everybody say woe, that means be careful, watch out, warning, woe to those who call evil good and call good what evil, so they're flipping everything on its head. The very thing that is good, culture starts saying, well, that's evil, and everything that's evil, they say, well, that's good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's the next stage or the next step. When you reject morality, you, you lose discipline, and also over time, that morality degenerates to such a degree that it's no longer we don't believe in right and wrong. You move to the place where actually you call what's wrong right and what's bad good. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Let's take a look at these terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves. Everybody say check. Lovers of money. Everybody say check. Kind of hitting, batting batting a thousand so far, right? Okay. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, check, okay, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Are we okay with that one? Okay. Have nothing to do with such people. That's not saying that you get rid of these relationships, but it means don't let that influence who you become as a person. You're called to be different. Why? Because you've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus, to be a believer in his word. And so it goes beyond just some kind of statement you make that doesn't affect the way you live. Following Jesus should affect the way that we think and the way that we live. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So discipline starts with morality. Morality matters. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is a good and there is a bad. There is a better and there is a best. We have to accept that or discipline will never, ever be a part of our lives. And when discipline fails to be a part of your life, resilience no longer is developed at the same level in your life. Here's the second thing today, okay? Right living, that is living according to morality, is a choice. Discipline is important because discipline really moves us toward right, good, better, and best choices. Let me say that again. Discipline is the very thing 
that moves you. And if you're a parent, your child disciplining you and yourself, self-discipline, and a proper parental discipline in the home, what is it all about is to move you and to move your child to making a choice about right living. That's all discipline is, okay? Discipline is something that externally or in an environment moves us toward making better choices in our life. If you say, for example, I need to get healthy, I need to eat right. Ever said that before? I need to eat right. I'm not stepping on any toes, hopefully by this. But to say you need to eat right means that you've got to, you know there's a better way for you to eat. And so it's a better choices that you need to make. Instead of going to the fast food place, it might be better to have a salad. And so it's a choice that I make and I discipline myself based upon a right choice. And so discipline applies to moving us toward what is not always pleasant. I'd rather have the fast food hamburger. It would feel a whole lot better to me, at least initially, maybe not afterwards, but it would feel better to me initially. But instead of doing that, I'm going to do what I know is the right thing because discipline is saying yes to the things I need to say yes to and no to the things I need to say no to. Everybody tracking with me. So discipline is a key part of this. And to be resilient, you got to have this thing called discipline. Let's use an example that I used in the first weekend of this message. Do you remember me talking about Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember that part of the story that I gave you back on the first message? If you missed the first message in the series, go back and review it again. Daniel goes to Babylon. He's a Jew. He makes a decision to discipline himself and not eat the food that the king wanted him to eat. Of course, he becomes healthier because of it. The three Hebrew children are told to bow to an image of gold. They said, nope, not going to bow. God's able to deliver us. If he doesn't deliver us, throw us into the fiery furnace. They were thrown in. They had the resiliency to resist idolatry. Daniel, later on in chapter 6, you see him at a time when he's told to pray to the king. He says, I don't pray to the king. I pray to one and only God, the true God, Jehovah, turns to his face toward Jerusalem and prays three times a day. Even when he was told not to pray, he has resilience to make the right decision. Why? Because he disciplined himself. He made the choice because he knew what was right. So knowing what is right is key to disciplining yourself in the right direction, and that is always a choice, okay? God speaks this to his people in the book of Deuteronomy. We looked at this a few weeks ago. I'm going to bring it back to you again today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So he's imploring them to choose, discipline themselves in the right direction. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of this is about making the right choice because discipline involves knowing the difference between what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is better, and what is what is good, bad, better, and best, and then choosing the right thing. And discipline as a parent, discipline as a parent is helping your children. Listen closely. Discipline as a parent is not about getting mad at your children about things they do wrong. That's not discipline, okay? Although you may get frustrated at times with your children about the fact that they're 
they're doing the wrong things. Discipline is not about getting angry at your children about things and punishing them because they've done something wrong. Real discipline always has the goal of helping your child be trained to make better decisions in their life. Okay, Are you with me on that? Okay, That's all discipline is. It's the same way God treats you. Is that when God disciplines you and me, He disciplines us so we'll make better decisions in the future, okay? And that's what, a, that's what child discipline is all about. As a parent, you have the responsibility to help your child learn to make better decisions. You know why? Because they're stupid. Okay. <laughs> now use that in quotes, okay? Please don't quote me on that, okay? The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, okay? If you think your child has the ability to make great decisions for their life, just ask them, do you want broccoli or ice cream? That's all you have to ask them, okay? (laughs) What are they going to say? Hey, I want the ice cream, okay? Well, you just had it five times yesterday. Yeah, but I want it again, okay? I mean, you take them to a store, you give them $10, and you watch the kind of stuff they will be tempted to buy, okay? This foolishness, the Bible says, is bound up in the heart of a child. That's why God gave them parents, okay? And the problem is we got, we got parents that are letting their children drag them around. Okay? And influencing their parents' decision instead of parents teaching their children the right way to, to make choices for their lives. Are you with me? See, when you became a parent, you, your child came along as far more than a tax deduction. Your child came along because God entrusted that child to you to train them to make good decisions with their life. Now, you can't control all the decisions they're going to make when they become adults. Even God had a problem with that. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, okay? You can't control everything they're going to do when they get older. But what you can do is you can set them up to the best of your ability to make the best decisions possible and then release them to God. But that is a responsibility that you have as a parent. You are called to be their parent. I will say this repeatedly in this series together. You are not called first and foremost to be your child's friend. You're called first and foremost to be your child's parent. Okay. You need... Your kids need you to be the parent in their life. And that you can't parent without discipline. It's impossible because discipline is not about punishing. It's about helping a child make better decisions the same way that God treats you and me. You say, how do I know this? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Have you ever been disciplined by God? I know I have, okay? If you haven't been, you need to talk to him about it because evidently you're ignoring something, okay? Because God disciplines all his kids, okay? And he disciplines us not to punish us for something we did wrong. God's focus is never on what you did. God's focus is always on what you need to become, okay? What you need to do in your future. So God disciplines us so that we might share in his holiness. Or I might say it this way, so that we might make better decisions. That was a dumb decision. Don't do that one again. This is the way that I want you to do it in the future. So the purpose of discipline, don't forget this part. What's the purpose of discipline? 
to teach us how to make better what? Choices. That's all discipline is. It's the way God does you and the way God wants you to do uh, with your children and the responsibility that you have. Let me take you to my third point today. Here it is. Discipline addresses thoughts and actions, not feelings. Thoughts and what? When it comes to discipline, the focus of discipline is never on your feelings or on your child's feelings. What you don't want to do is train your child to live by their feelings, nor should you live by your feelings. Because the the goal of discipline is to build, I'll put another word on the board, so many words I could talk about today, but I'm just going to throw this one out, a lot of different concepts here for us. Discipline, cumulative discipline produces character. I'll say that again. Cumulative discipline produces character. You have more character, the more disciplined you are. So the more you accumulate discipline in your life, the more character there's going to be in your life. And character is who you habitually are in your thoughts and in your actions. It's been said that character is who you are in the dark. It's who you are when no one else is around. And so character really is who you are internally in terms of how you're making decisions. So discipline leads you to choose right over wrong, good over bad, better over best, And to do it habitually, you then form character, and it's focused on the way that you think and the way that you act, not the way that you feel. And that's what produces resilience. Why? Because an emotionally-based life will never be a resilient life. I give you a lot of different things today, but remember this. An emotionally-based life is never going to be resilient. Why? Because your emotions are, are, are not trustworthy. Your emotions drag you all over the place. You can feel one thing one moment and something else the next moment, and and, and they're not not a good way to live your life because they oftentimes will lead you astray. Feelings, in fact, quite often aren't even facts. You feel something, but it doesn't, just because you feel it doesn't make it true, okay? And so many times we're being led along by our feelings rather than by our thoughts and actions. And what we must understand is that thoughts and actions will take control of your feelings. If you'll control what you think and control how you act, you will feel a lot better. And we get the caboose in front of the train, our feelings in front of the train sometimes. We let our feelings drag us around. Feelings make good passengers for your life, but they never make a good driver. Okay. You can take your feelings. Everybody has emotions. Everybody has feelings. Let them ride in the back seat. And every now and then, I know you're back there. I can feel you back there, but you don't get in the driver's seat. Okay. Because if you were to let your feelings in the driver's seat, there'd be a lot of days you wouldn't go to work. There'd be a lot of days your kids wouldn't go to school. There'd be a lot of days they wouldn't do their homework. There'd be a lot of days that a lot of things wouldn't happen that need to happen. Why? Because they're being controlled by emotion. Our whole culture, you listen to the popular songs, and most of, many of the songs push us toward a life of living by our feelings. And we're never instructed in Scripture to live by our feelings. We acknowledge them. We can let them sit in the back seat. It's okay. I know you're back there. I can feel you back there. But you're not getting in the driver's seat of my life. What's going to get in the driver's seat of my life is what is right and what is good and what is better and what is best in my thinking and in my actions. I'm not going to be controlled by 
you in the back seat being a back seat driver for my life, telling me what I'm going to do. And your kids have to learn this as well. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shields of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.